You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning, Sun Life Church. So good to see all of you. And I didn't know that Dexter has another gift acting. (laughs) That's very good. Well, um, before I, I bring you the word this morning, uh, my name is Benny Ho. I'm a pastor at uh, Faith Community Church. Um, we, are, we are actually a network church. We are all related. And I better introduce to you my wife, the woman behind this man. And I'll, I'll just ask my wife, Cecilia, just to wave and just say hi to everyone in case you, uh, you get to meet her after this service. Well, uh, Pastor Bin and I are having an exchange of pulpits this morning. Uh, right now, he should be getting ready to preach over in our church. We, uh, but, you know, it's not really a good deal because he, he only needs to preach one service. I've got to do two. <laughs> I just realized that oh, you guys have two services now. <laughs> this may not happen if I knew it was <laughs> two services. <laughs> no, just kidding. But it's so good to be able to come and, and say hi to everyone. I see many, many familiar faces, faces that I, I do know. How many of you here we have met before? You heard me preach somewhere and you really didn't like me at all? Okay, quite <laughs> a number of you here. Well, this morning, I, have to, I, I want to bring to you just a word of encouragement uh, out of Psalms 121. So if you have your Bibles, or you, you can look, look at the screen, uh, I'm going to read for you Psalms 121. It is what, what we call a song of ascent. And later on, I will just explain to you what that is. But if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. I read for you Psalms 121 from verse 1 all the way to verse 8. It's a very short psalm, and it goes like this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip, but he who watches over you will not slumber, but indeed he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. But the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, and the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Father, I pray that you allow our eyes to behold wonderful truth from your word. I pray this morning that you would hide your servant behind the cross and allow your word to instruct us and inspire us. Lord, I pray that you would make this a time where a word in season can be imparted to your people. So I commit this time now to you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I like to do pre-COVID, uh, I do travel a lot, and one of the things I like to do before I go on my ministry trip is to just pray for my family's protection. And then I read this interesting story about a pastor who was about to go on a ministry trip, so he gathered his family together and he prayed for them. And the, he prayed something along these lines. He said, Lord, protect my family while I'm away. At that point, the wife looked up cheekily and said to him, who do you think is protecting us when you are around? And I I thought that's true, isn't it? Whether I'm around or not, God is our protector. 
And God is the one who watches over our people, our procession, our, our property. And how many of you agree? Our God does it better than any one of us can. And He is the God who protects and provides for us all the time. And Psalms 121 is a declaration of this very truth. Now let me paint for you a background, a backdrop to this psalm so that it will help you to see the context of this and then allow the Holy Spirit to bring you a word in season. Now when you read the book of Psalms, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but from Psalms 120 all the way to Psalms 134, there's a little heading at the top that reads like this, A Song of Ascent. A song of ascent. And it goes from Psalms 120 all the way to Psalms 134. Or this is uh, what the Hebrew will call Shirath Hamaloth in Hebrew. A song of ascent. Now this series of 15 Psalms from Psalms 120 all the way to Psalms 134, they are traditionally sung by the Israelites in sequence as they ascend Mount Zion to go and worship the Lord in the temple. And every year, at least three times, they will come together and they will ascend Mount Zion and make their way to worship in the temple of God. And you, they sing it in, 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 um, in what do you call in sequence, uh, so, so that as they ascend, they begin to sing. And that is why you notice that Psalms 120 begins at a very low point, and by the time they get to Psalms 134, the atmosphere changes. Like, for example, if you read Psalms 120, verse 1, it begins like this. I call on the Lord in my distress. See, they are coming at a very low point. And then Psalms 121, verse 1, reads like this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And but by the time you get to Psalms 134, verse 1, things look a lot more positive now. And then the psalmist uh, begin to say, Praise the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who minister by night. You see, by the time they arrive at the temple, it's nighttime already. In the house of the Lord. In other words, they have now arrived at the temple. So the point is this, as they ascend, as they get nearer and nearer to the manifested presence of God, their faith is being strengthened. Their spirits are being lifted. You see, so they are ascending as they go. Now, these 15 Psalms, I consider them like 15 steps up you know, towards, uh, towards the presence of the Lord. And, and as we come into His manifested presence, we are being transformed. And I think that this Songs of Ascent is really a beautiful picture of our own discipleship journey, where we move from distress to delight. We move from doubt to faith, from sin to holiness, from weakness to strength. How many of you agree? It's a hidden picture in the Old Testament of our own discipleship journey. Now imagine if that is your experience every Sunday, right? We leave home and then we drive all the way to Sun Life Church and then we get into the presence of God through exuberant praise and worship. And then we are lifted to the anointed preaching of God's Word by, by your pastors. And by the time you finish your time of fellowship at the end of this service, you're all going to leave this century edified, strengthened, inspired. Isn't that right? You come in low, but by the time you leave, you are lifted up, edified, inspired. What is that? That is the song of ascent being played out week after week. Now, for the Jewish people, this ascension actually takes place three times at least a year during the major feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. 
And as they ascend the mountain of the Lord, they will sing this series of songs to give thanks to God as well as to encourage one another as they make their way to worship. Now, with this all as a backdrop, we can now look at Psalms 121, which is the second psalm that they sing as they make their way to worship. Now, let me take you now to Psalms 121. Psalms 121 has been considered what we would call a traveller's psalm because it speaks about the protection and the, and the provision of the Lord during their travel. It's a psalm that is sung at the start of their journey. Okay? And you need to understand that the journey that the Israelites would take during that time to go to the temple of God, to wherever they come from, to head towards Jerusalem and go to the temple, it is actually a long and dangerous journey uh, due to the unforgiving elements, the rough terrain, and also the threat of robbers and wild animals that is all around them. And I think that it is a fitting picture of the journey of life that all of us are on. How many of you agree life is not always smooth sailing? Yeah. No, there, it, it, there are challenges, there are problems that we need to navigate. And in the ups and downs of life, we all need the Lord. And that's what the pilgrims are sing Psalms 121 to remind themselves of the Lord who is their helper, the Lord who is their protector, their provider. So we're going to look at Psalms 121 now through three perspectives, or if I can say three lenses. Okay? Firstly, let's look at the source of our help. Where does our help actually come from? And you find this in verse 1 and verse 2. Now geographically, you need to understand that Jerusalem sits on a ridge and is surrounded by a ring of mountains. If you've ever been to Israel, you know this. It sits on a ridge surrounded by a ring of mountains. And so when the worshippers were heading towards the city of God, they could actually see the hills in the distance. So as the pilgrims approached the hills surrounding Jerusalem, they begin to sing in verse 1, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Now, if you read the NIV translation, this is what you get. But if you were to, unfortunately, I think, the King James Version in this case translated the verse this way. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help, full stop. Okay, if you read the King James Version, it's not a question mark, it's a full stop. And it goes like this. I lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help, full stop. And I think this can give a wrong impression that our help comes from the hills. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help, full stop. And I think it gives an impression, right, that our help comes from the hills. But I want you to know the psalmist is saying the exact opposite because the hills are the high places where the ancient people will build their shrines, they build their idols on the high places. And how many of you know your help don't come from all those idols? But instead, the NIV, you know, which is the one of my favorite translations, nearly infallible version, the NIV. Now, they got this right because the psalmist, they translated it as a question. Now, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Question mark. And then in verse 2, he gives us the answer. And in verse 2, it says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How many of you agree? Our help does not come from the hills, but it comes from the Lord who made the hills. Yeah. 
You see, and what a world of difference a question mark can make. And it's true. You know, when we look up and we see the hills towering before us, you know, we, we need to look beyond the hills and actually see the Lord who is our real source of help. You know, when we look at the hills, we are often inspired, right? Because it stands between heaven and earth. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we look to the Lord who makes the heavens and the earth. And this God that we look to, He is for us and not against us. But so often, instead of looking to the Lord, we rather depend on the high places of our own lives, like our bank accounts, our connections, our intellect, etc., but we do not look to the hills. We look to the Lord beyond the hills. I like this story that was told about a blind man, you know, who tapped his way to a busy intersection. And then he waited there, uh, waiting for some kind soul to help him cross that busy street. And another guy came along after a while and said hi to him. So they started a conversation. And after a minute or so, this blind man took the other guy's hand and they started to cross the road. The moment they started walking, the brakes start screeching, you know, all the horns starts blaring. And that is when the blind man discovered that the other guy was blind too. <laughs> they were literally the blind leading the blind. And I want you to know, my friends, they were both looking to the wrong source for help. And this is what happens when we look to man instead of God. And I think the problem with many of us can be this, that we are God-conscious but still man-centered. We are conscious of God around us, you know. We are conscious that God is with us, etc. But when it comes to the crunch, when the rubber meets the road, we are still man-centered. We're still not dependent on God, but look, we're still dependent on the high places of our life. And this morning, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is calling us to God-centeredness. It's not just about being God-conscious. It's about being God-centered. When, when it comes to the crunch, will we be centered on the Lord? Remember what happened in 2 Kings chapter 6? There was an incident in 2 Kings chapter 6 where the, uh, where the Arameans, which is one of the enemies of Israel, surrounded the prophet Elisha and they wanted to destroy him. And that morning when Elisha's servants stepped out into the balcony and suddenly realized that they were surrounded by the enemies of God, he was shocked. Let me read the narrative for you in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 to 17. Listen to this. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and he saw that the hills are full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the servant saw that he was surrounded, he was totally devastated and demolished. He panicked, you know, and he started to say, Oh my Lord, what shall we do? Well, I want you to notice that the prophet did not panic at all. Okay? And the prophet, in fact, you also notice he did not immediately just give him some sweet words of comfort or give him a stroke on his back, nothing like that. But what did the prophet do? What was the prophet's response to all this? The answer is prayer. He prayed. Basically, that's what he did. He prayed. But notice what he prayed. He prayed that Lord 
open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see. So what's the point? The point is this. True encouragement, brothers and sisters, is not just the nice words, the ego strokes that we can give to one another. But true encouragement comes when our eyes are open to see God. And then suddenly our focus is moved, you know, from our gigantic problem to our gigantic God. And then we are reminded again that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That's what it means to be God-centered, not just God-conscious. Give you another incident. Joshua chapter 11, remember that? The northern armies have actually gathered against the people of Israel. But God reminded His people, I will deliver you. Okay? And you notice what God told Joshua in Joshua 11 verse 6. Listen to this. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, because by this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them over to Israel slain. But he went on to say this, You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. How many of you know that's a silly thing to do? Because in, in the ancient armies would actually collect the horses and chariots of the enemies they conquered so that they can build up their own armory. That's how they win. That's how they build their military might, is to take the, the, the spoils from, from the enemy and keep them and build up your own military force. But God specifically told Joshua, I will destroy the enemy, but after that, you hamstring their horses, which means what? They can no longer run. You burn their chariots, which means it can no longer be used. But why? I'll tell you why. It's so that they will always remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's a constant reminder to them of Psalms 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Are you facing challenging situations right now in your life? Do you need a miracle this morning? I want you to know the battle belongs to the Lord. And if the battle belongs to the Lord, then the victory can belong to us. So don't look to the hills, but let's look beyond the hills and behold your God. He is a source of our help. Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Question mark. What's the answer? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Here's the second thing. The second lens you need to see. This is the substance of our help. How does God actually help them? You find this from verse 3 all the way to verse 7. There's an interesting Hebrew word that appears six times in these few short verses. And that little word is critical to our understanding of this psalm. And that Hebrew word is shama which is also translated as keep in verse 7, and then watch in verse 3, 4, 5, 7, and 8. Six times it came up in this few short verses. This is an interesting word, shama, that is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. When God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 2, 15, it says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, and to shama over it or to take care of it. 
God actually told Adam to keep, to take care, to shamar over the Garden of Eden. And this word literally means to protect, to preserve, to guard, to watch over. Okay, and it appears six times. Psalms 121 verse 3 goes like this. He will not let your foot slip. He will watch, he who watches over, he who shamas over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know the God of Israel is watching over us. He shamas over us. You see, one of the dangers that the pilgrims will face as they make their way to Jerusalem is the rough terrain. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that Israel is covered with rocks everywhere. That's the very rough terrain. And one of the risks they take as they make their journey is it's very easy to slip on one of those rocks. And once that happens, you will sprain your ankles or sometimes even break their legs. And once that happens, the journey is over. They may never get to the temple. But the psalmist declared that the Lord will watch over them and He will not let their foot slip. And you know why? Because we serve a God who neither slumber nor sleep. He is always vigilant. He sees the end from the beginning. And how many of you know our God is never caught by surprise? Have you been caught by surprise? I'm caught by surprise all the time. The curveballs of life that comes. Just when we think everything is, is good, then the, suddenly a curveball will come. Just when we thought we got everything under control, boosh, another thing happened. And all of a sudden, you lose control again. And this life. But we serve a God who is not caught by surprise. There are no curveballs in God. He sees all things, He knows all things, and He can do all things. And verse 5, therefore, goes on to say this, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. See, one danger is the rock, but our, our Lord does not allow, the, the Lord watches over us and He won't let our foot slip. But here's another danger. Another danger that the pilgrims face are the scorching heat, you know, from the Jerusalem sun. During the summer months when they make this trip, the sun is so intense that many of them would actually get heat stroke. But the Lord was so good, you know, in this traveller's psalm, He reminds them, I am your shade at your right hand. The Lord is our shade at our right hand. And this word shade can also be translated as shadow or shield. The Lord is our shadow at our right hand. What does this mean? Actually, what He's saying is this. That we, this means that we are protected because of God's abiding presence in our life. Because that's what a shadow means, right? Now, if you see my shadow, what does that mean? It means I'm around. Am I right? Can you imagine you see my shadow and I'm not there? <laughs> that's freaky, right? But you see my shadow, it implies that I'm there. It is about presence, you see. So if the Lord's shadow is at your right hand, what does, this mean? what does it mean? It means that He is with us. And the psalmist wanted to remind the people at that time, the Lord is with you. He is your shade at your right hand. You see, and when you use this term, He is your shadow at your right hand, He is also your shield at your right hand. That's another translation for that word. 
He's your shield at your right hand. And that means a lot, especially to ancient people who goes to war. You see, I'll tell you why. Because uh, in the ancient world, when ancient soldiers fight, how do they do it? They always fight with a sword and shield. Am I right? And most soldiers are right-handed, which means this. They will all carry a shield on their left hand and they use their right hand to swing the sword. So that's how they will fight. So which means to say, which is the most vulnerable side of the soldier? It's actually not his left hand because that's where the shield is. That's where it's protected. His most vulnerable side is his right hand where he has to swing his sword. But the Lord wanted to remind all of us at our weakest point, at our most vulnerable point, the Lord is our shield. He is our protector. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know at your most vulnerable point, the Lord is your protection. He is your shield at your right hand. You know, He is our shade that protects us from the scorching heat. He is our shield that protects us from danger. And this reminds me of Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. Listen to this one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If we put our trust in the Most High God, His presence will watch over us. And what a beautiful reminder again of God's presence and protection in all of our life. You know, the Red Indians in America, they have a, a bit of an initiation ceremony that they carry out for all their young people. When they reach the age of 13, a young man reach the age of 13, what the Red Indians would do is that they will blindfold the young man, lead him deep into the jungle, and leave him there for a whole night on his own. It's a frightening experience for any young man. And the reason is because, you see, you need to understand, up to that point in his life, he has never been separated from the family. Now he's taken deep into the jungle, you know, and left there for a whole night. And he would spend a whole night in fear and trembling until the next morning when the sun rises. And when the sun rises, that's when the young man is going to discover that in the distance stands the silhouette of a man with bow and arrows in his hand. And that's when he will realize that actually he was never alone. His father was all the time there watching over him. Bow and arrows in his hand. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know, sometimes we go through life and we feel like as if we are totally alone, that no one is there to help us. I want you to know we are never alone. Our father watches over us all the time and this is the God that we serve and that's why interestingly in verse 6 the very next verse goes on to say this the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night now we all understand now how the sun can give us heat stroke but the Lord is our shade at our right hand so I, that I can understand but what about the moon by night in the sun, you can get heat stroke, but you cannot get moon burn, right? So what, what is that about? <laughs> and this is where we need to understand, I believe, and the psalmist wrote this. In the ancient world, you need to understand the people believe that the moon, overexposure to the moon can cause one to go crazy or to, to go insane. 
And that's where we get the word lunatic from. Uh, because the word, another word for moon is what? Luna. And that's where you get the word lunatic. <laughs> so now, let, let me ask you, do you think this moon theory is true? Of course not. No, it can't be true. <laughs> Probably not. Then why, this, why did the psalmist write this? I'll tell you why. I believe the psalmist wrote these words because what he's saying is this. God is the one who protects us, not just from the clear and present dangers by day, but also all the worries, anxieties and fears that we all entertain by night. Are you with me? that many of the fears and many of the things we go through are more perceived than real. We all worry about the what if and, and you know, the, the what, what if, who knows. These are the things that really drive us crazy, literally. You know, people are going crazy over things like, what, is, what if I lose my job? What if I get COVID-19? You know, what, what if my house gets broken in? What if I get cancer? What if there's a recession? What if Bitcoin collapse? No, what, what, what did the stock market clash? And these are the things driving modern people crazy. But I want you to know that our God watches over us. He protects us, not just from the clear and present dangers that we can see, but also the things that we worry and anxious about. He protects us by day. You know, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. This God who shamas over us want us to walk in faith and not in fear. And that's why in verse 7, he gives you a blanket statement. He says, the Lord will keep you from all harm and he will watch over your life. He watches over our, he makes sure your feet don't sleep. And he's the one who is your shade at the right hand, your shield at the right hand, at your most vulnerable point. And then in verse 7, he, he deals with another danger that the travelers will face. Another danger that the pilgrims face is the threat of robbers or bandits, you know, and, and wild animals and all of that. And the psalmist then declared, the Lord will keep you from all harm and all means all. I, I remember um, a, a preacher, a, a lady preacher by the name of Sister Margaret Seward. She comes from Singapore and she came all the way to Perth to, to preach uh, in, in our church. And she told us this great story because her parents actually are missionaries in China. So she tell us some of her missionary stories. And one of them goes like this. She said, there was this lady missionary who had to travel by bicycle. Every week, he, she would cycle into this remote village to preach to the people there. Every week, she would do that. She would cycle in and cycle out, cycle in and cycle out all by herself. And this route that she was taking is actually infested with bandits. They've got lots of bandits everywhere. But interestingly, she was never robbed until one day, one of these bandits got converted and became a Christian. So out of curiosity, she just asked this bandit, you know, that, hey, I know you guys are always around here, but it's interesting, you have never robbed me. And that's when the bandit told her, no, how can we? Because every time we're watching you cycle by, but you are never alone. You've got all these big guys cycling on bicycles along with you. We can never attack you. And that's when I learned, you know, angels ride bicycles also. <laughs> you know what? Psalms 34 verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. And, and I think there are, there are, we, we have been protected by God oftentimes. 
And that is why we wish you and I should live life with confidence. And it's not because we are always on top of everything, because the truth is we, we, we don't. But it's because we serve a God who is watching over us. And He who watches over us neither slumber nor sleep. Hallelujah. You know, I am so, it's so comforting to me because, you know, when I was in the army, uh, I, I used to serve in, in, in the national service, I had to do sentry duties. And I'll tell you the truth, so often I literally fall asleep on my watch. I'm standing there and I'm sleeping and slumbering and sleeping. How safe can a city be if the watchmen who watches over the city are slumbering and sleeping? <laughs> You know, but thank God we serve a God who neither slumbers nor sleep. He knows everything that's going on in our lives. Hallelujah. So when fear comes knocking at your door, let faith go and answer it and you'll find nobody there. You know, and the Lord is the source of our help. He is also the substance of our help. And I leave you with one last thought. It's the scope of it. The scope of our help you'll find in verse 8. Uh, finally, the psalmist climax with verse 8. Such a beautiful verse. It goes like this. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I think this verse really defines the scope of His help, which is what? Anywhere and all the time. What an extravagant declaration of faith. This phrase Coming and going, it speaks of what? Location. So whether you are here or there, you are in the city or the country, you are in Perth or in Melbourne, God is watching over us. And this phrase, now and forevermore, speaks of what? Duration, both present or future, whether it's today or tomorrow, whether it's now or eternity, God is watching over us. In other words, we have comprehensive insurance. You know, it's comprehensive, total protection. You are even insured beyond this life. This means that we must turn to our God everywhere and all the time. It's not enough for us just come to God when we are desperate, when we are at our wit's end. But the psalmist is challenging us to depend on God in every situation, everywhere and all the time. See beyond the hills and behold your God from whence cometh your help. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And we say amen to that. Now, let me end off this morning. Do I still have a bit of time? Okay, a little bit of time. Uh, let me end by sharing with you a prophetic burden that I have for you as a, as a people this morning. With all that I've set in the backdrop, I want to end by reading for you Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10 and verse 11. I'd like you to listen to this. This is the burden that I received from the Lord I want to share with you. Isaiah 50, verse 10 to 11 reads like this. Who amongst you fears the Lord? and obeys the word of his servant. Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, you go and walk in the light of your, own, of your fires and the torches you have set ablaze. 
for this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Now in Isaiah 50 verse 10 and 11, it speaks of those who may be going through seasons of darkness where there seems to be no light. Now maybe you're seated here this morning and you kind of feel like that's describing you. You could be going through a season where things don't make total sense. You may be going through a season where there is no clarity. The heavens is like bronze, you know, your prayer goes up to the, to the roof and bounces back. And because there seems to be no breakthrough, it's a season where you feel like you're walking in darkness. You, there is no light. Now, in the Bible, there are three kinds of darkness. And let me just outline this for you. There are three kinds of darkness that are mentioned in the Bible. The first is a darkness that is due to sin. And the people in this world are living in darkness because it's built by sin. Okay? The other is a darkness that comes because of ignorance. Because we don't know, so we are in the dark. See, And the third is a darkness that is due to demonic powers. We don't fight against flesh and blood, we can principalities and powers. And there are demonic powers that keep people in, in, in darkness. The people in this world, their eyes are being veiled, you know, because of the prince of the air. Okay, so we recognize all this. There's a darkness that can come because of sin, because of ignorance, because of demonic powers. But here's the thing. The darkness that Isaiah 50 verse 10 and 11 is talking about is none of the above. It's none of the above. You know why? Because Isaiah 50 is not talking about the people in the world is actually talking about those who fears the Lord, those who hear, listen to the words of His servant. So it's talking about godly people, but yet they, they feel like they are walking in darkness. I don't know if you have ever experienced this, but what then is this text referring to? I think it is referring to a darkness that comes because of the silence of God. It's a darkness that comes because of the silence of God. The mystics call it the dark night of the soul. There are seasons when we may not even understand why God is not speaking and why there is no light. And you look at your own life, there is nothing that is, you can say is wrong. It's, it's not because of sin. It's not because of ignorance. It's not because of anything. You're just going through that season and you're just waiting like as if God is not speaking. But I tell you what God is doing. If you are going through something like that this morning, I want you to understand this. I think what God is doing is a deep inner surgery in the soul of the man or the woman of God. He's doing a deep work inside you. And when God has finished dealing with us and do, doing that deep work in us, we are going to come out at the other end with greater breakthroughs in His divine timing. But here's the thing The most important thing to remember When you're going through this dark night of the soul These moments when you feel like God is silent And you still don't understand fully what is going on In times like this The most important thing to remember is this Don't light your own fires Don't light your own fires Resist the temptation to provide flaming torches for yourself because if you do, we may end up walking in the light of our own fires and we may end up lying down in torment. But instead, we resist the temptation to take matters into our own hands. But we wait upon the Lord. 
wait upon Him. Instead, what we should do, trust in the name of your God and rely on Him. This God who helps you and watches over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. See, don't take matters into your own hands if you're going through this, but instead, trust in the name of this God who watches over you. You know, there is an author by the name of Philip Brooks who wrote that famous song uh, that goes like this, O Little Town of Bethlehem. You know, there's a song we all sing during Christmas. And Philip Brooks actually grew up in the, during the Great Depression in America, uh, in, in, in America. As a little boy, he remembers an incident that crafted a deep value into his life. It was during the Great Depression. The family was going through a very tough time financially. And one night, they were having dinner. And that's when the mom lost it. And she just started to lash out in frustration against her situation. She started questioning God, started lamenting about their lack. The father just sat there in silence, allowed the mom to vent. At the end of it, he pushed back his chair, he stood up, and this is what he said. He said, I have trusted God for the last 40 years and I don't intend to stop now. I've trusted God for the last 40 years and I don't intend to stop now. Brothers and sisters of Sun Life Church, you have trusted God this far and He has brought you to where you are today. And you know what? I believe God will carry you through into the next season. Whatever season you may be in, whatever situation you may be going through, corporately, individually, we make a fresh resolve this morning. We will look beyond the hills and we fix our eyes on Jesus, the altar and the finisher of our faith. Amen. This is the God who watches over you in your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We just take a moment, just wherever you are, would you just bow your heads with me?